Pram here in Malayna in Dhaka. How you doing? So welcome. This is our um, the Prince Studio. Um, Can you describe it to me? Because it looks like a a back of a shed. Yeah, with screens up along one side, yeah. the paints. Underneath. Well, you'll have to come over here because I'm in the middle of a job. Okay. So, um, well, before all, I describe it to you, yeah. Kurakai ahau. Rakai Kraitiana, um, I work here um, at the back of a shop called Aroha and Friends, and in the back of the retail store, which is like a design store, um, I have a uh, sort of like a print studio, and in the print studio I um, screen print t-shirts, and that's what I'm doing right now, and as well as that um, print on fabric. I have a print table, it's four metres long, and that's where I can do repeat uh, printed textiles. Yeah. Um, and I also uh, have, uh, I print on paper, so I do um, print editions on paper. O over in, in the corner over there, there's a um, letter press machine, an old Chandler and Price 10 by 15. I don't know if anyone will know what I'm talking about there, but there probably will be someone out there who knows the machine, um, and I've sort of got it, it's Is this in, like the Zephyr or printer machine? Was it like kind of, well, well, uh, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, the windmill would probably be the one, the Heidelberg, but this is, this was a, a, a sort of like a, um, 40s, 50s, 60s, it was just a, a, a really sort of a common, um, letterpress machine, but I've got it, it's got no rollers, it's sort of in parts, it's a bit rusty, so I'm sort of scrubbing away the rust and having to order parts uh, from eBay and import them into the country, which is really expensive. Um, yeah, so it's just like a little side hobby. I do these uh, letterpress editions and I have them printed up in Auckland at a really awesome printer. Um, and I love the work that's achieved there, and I just love the whole letterpress look and there's a bit of a movement going on it's re really popular in uh, america okay, Europe, it's letterpress when it's like the letter seems to rise out of the paper yeah so um with letterpress it's it's an old method of of inking the the, the rollers the rollers come and roll over your artwork that would either be printed um made from a wood block or a, um, or it used to be lead. You used to have all those lead bits of uh, type that you'd put together. But nowadays it's done with photopolymer plates, which are like rubber plates, like stamps, and they get rolled. And then a whole load of pressure comes and kisses the paper, uh, which, with the tons of pressure, puts puts an indent, like an emboss, yeah, in the paper. Neat. Is this an example that we're looking at here? Yeah, so this is a, a series I did, um, and that's in gold and black, two-colour letterpress. And, um, is that yeah, hard? yeah. See, to me, that looks like that. Well, that needs, um, needs at the moment, I'm only designing it. Mm. 
Um, but but in the, I'm sending it away. I'm outsourcing the printing. Uh, okay, so we're, you've got the screen on this <coughs> machine. <laughs> okay, so part of our business in the retail shop is um, that instead of me... My business model is that I print to order, so I don't print a whole lot of stock and, and put it out in the shop. I just have a board um, which has all my designs printed on a on a large sheet of plywood, and it's sort of you know I do, do it in a sort of like a uh, creative way, so it kind of looks nice. But um, people come in, all the designs are numbered on the board, and um, the customer will pick the design. Am I in the way? Find a blank T-shirt. This, do you need to get on this side? No, I just got to... While we're talking, I'm just going to clean the screen up because I'm just in the middle of doing today's orders before I can... Um, okay, do you do daughter orders every day? Yeah. Well, I just clear out my orders for the day in the morning before I do anything else. Right. <laughs> it's like checking your emails. But it's really so I can go off and do something else because if I don't do them, I'm going to be nagged by the um, salespeople, the, our retail <laughs> people and they'll be on my case about where's okay. this t-shirt and then you have, might have grumpy customers right okay. so yeah we kind of try to have a um a next day sort of delivery on the on the t-shirts so yeah we stock a whole lot of um blank t-shirts in the shop so the customer will come in look at the board find the design pick the t-shirt size color and um and then think about what color they'd like it printed in and then that comes out the back as a t-shirt and an order with a job sheet and I just uh, yeah go yeah, through and process have those. A, have an aesthetic don't you? Mm. A very Hawke's Bay oriented, <clears throat> kahununu oriented. I guess uh, <laughs> a few of them because you know we're we're here in Hawke's Bay it, it makes sense to um, localize it but you know I'm not the first to uh, uh, come up with localised t-shirts um, and it just makes sense I guess wherever you are in the country that, so what was uh, that white stuff that you just put onto that screen? Oh I was just cleaning off the white ink. Oh okay. Now you're going to have to come outside with me because I have to um, okay. hose this out. So you're hosing out in the car park? Yeah. So I've got this outside of my studio. Yeah. You walk outside the back, there's a big shed door, a roller door, and then I've got this old urinal that I've attached to the building and I've, I've plumbed it to go into the sewer. Uh, and this is where I hose out my screen. Mm. It's just, uh, the danger is uh, with this, I use water-based ink, and like uh, a lot of screen printers don't like it because um, it dries up in the screen and it will block your screen if you're not careful. So you have to be really onto it. And also, what I'm doing is I'm doing one-off prints, where um, so a normal printer will make a screen nice and fresh and print off the run, being 10, 50, 100 t-shirts. And and uh, and then when you're using plastisole, you can sort of leave the ink in the screen and come back the next day and then uh, start where you left off. 
Um, but with this, I'm doing a one-off print, and I'm printing it once, and then washing it out, and putting it back away. But if, if I leave it too long on the screen, or if I um, don't wash it out well enough, it erodes. I'll, I'll block the screen. Oh, uh, yeah. And once the screen's blocked, it's poked, and you have to make a new one. What do you mean by blocked? Oh, uh, well, the ink dries in the, in the, in the mesh of the screen. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so you, what you're doing is you're holding it up to the light now, too. Yeah, and then you look through it, and you can see how it's sort of blocking up. There's, there's like oh, little tiny bit areas there. Yeah, tiny bits of But, you know, like uh, some of that oh, yes. uh, I can kind of get away with for now. It's not quite um, panic stations yet at all. <laughs> it's good. And sometimes the, the, the design kind of looks good when it uh, starts sort of breaking up, you know. It gets a bit grungy. Uh, so, like I, just how many screens are there up there? <clears throat> oh, well, um, so I've got two shelves, which are pretty much 3.6 long. And the bottom shelf are the screens that are part of the catalogue. So they're, they're, the, um, they're the designs that are in the shop that people order. And then these, the top shelf, are screens that I've done for clients or they might be other people's artworks um, or my paperworks. I've got some... Uh, so I don't know what this takes about... 60 screens per shelf. I've stopped buying screens. I don't buy any more screens. I've got enough. So I just have to uh, clean out uh, ones that, are, um, that aren't really in circulation if I need, need new ones. Do you constantly have in your head new designs? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's um, all empty up there. <laughs> oh. No, you, you, it's impossible to constantly be banging them out. Oh, yeah. you, you have flurries. You, you might have a, I might have a long little break, or um, they come in spurts. So it's not, it's not constantly flowing. I'm not like um, some artists where they can just, just boom, pour, boom, boom. pour it out constantly. Yeah, um, yeah but um, sometimes they just come to me. You know, it's, it's generally being inspired by something else. Or you sort of have something mulling away in your head for a while and then then finally you might sort of get the notebook out and, and start doodling away. With, you know what I've mind. noticed, I mean I grew up here in Napier, mm -hmm. is that you've memorialised buildings that don't even exist anymore. Yeah, which true. is, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's saddening when you drive along Napier mm. streets now and it's like, holy hell, that building's not there anymore. Mm. But there's a print at House of Aroha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way. Uh, it's quite, um, could be good for me, I guess, in that, uh, well, you know, it's partly nostalgic and partly sort of uh, documenting uh, the history and what was once there. And it's, and it's kind of the recent history. It wasn't all that long ago those buildings um, came down. Um, yeah, and people seem to react to it. People, you know, because I guess this is commercial art, and with commercial art, you are trying to strike a chord with your customer um, in order for them to react to what you've done and potentially buy what you've done. Yeah, so, uh, you know, um, so a lot of my friends sort of uh, have, have worked 
in this sort of industry and, and that they they liken it to writing number one hits. So so it's it's how many you know, if I use an analogy of a songwriter, it's how many hits you can write with how many good designs you can write that sort of penetrate um, a niche and then that niche grows into a bit of a mainstream sort of uh, thing. And that uh, design I just showed you is one of those it's ones where the Crave Waimata one has sort of like um, penetrated throughout the country. You know, a little bit, just tiny. But you only need a tiny little market share in this sort of game. So these are for your t-shirt designs. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever, do you do editions of your print stuff? Yeah, I do. But um, my editions are very small, and so and I will only run. I will only edition um, what I print on that day because I'll I'll never be able to, or I, I won't be able to get the same result if I go and do a second run on the same design. So I might only print like five, ten at a time, but that that edition will be that design in that colorway that we did for, for maybe a specific customer might come and say oh can you do this design but can you do it in like teal gray and navy blue for me and I'll, and I'll do it and then I'll print off part of the run you know you're not just going to print one off you, to, just to get going with a, a, with a print run you have to um, sort of print off several in order to find you know uh, so you might print off 10 to find 6 or 7 really good ones. Uh, what I've been doing lately is uh, working with artists um, to uh, produce print editions for them. Um, so a recent so one was... another arm of your money? Yeah. I guess, you know, nowadays you sort of have to diversify. Mm. But for me, I got into it because I really wanted to print my own um, printed edition artworks, artworks on paper, uh, but then, you know, because it's screen printing, t-shirts, that, that was a sort of like a natural progression option for me to do, and then, but from doing the paper work, um, I've always asked my friends and uh, contemporaries to, to come down, hang out, and uh, and let's, let's create some uh, paper works for you, um, so... Oh, one recent one. Yeah, oh, well, I started um, recently, I did a run with Padamachet, and he, you know, he has a, a strong Tukorti, um and Tukorti's horse, and and so he has a huge body of work around uh, Tukorti uh, and Tewepu, and so he started taking um, segments of his paintings and just re reproducing... Um, sort of details and then we're creating um, paper prints from those and, and creating new additions for him uh, and that's been fun that's been awesome yeah and he's sort of uh, he's an awesome uh, artist to work with in that he understands the process of screen printing but uh, also his work is just um, pretty amazing uh, uh, also, I've just been working with Tracy Tafiol um, and trying to um, 
diversify her artwork and, and put it more into a, a product-based uh, realm where she um, so I've, I've produced uh, some paperworks with her, uh, really large uh, screen paperworks, and and also um, just looking at yeah diversifying her her catalogue, uh, breaking her out of um, so much fine art and, you know, making it more, more accessible to people because I think that's the, um, the problem with fine art is uh, I can't afford it and I don't, you know, so it's, it's to make it accessible, it's, it's got to be under $1,000, I guess. How about under 100 Or under 100 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so yeah so 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 making uh, doing doing works on paper, letterpress, um, even you know like getting into the textile thing with trace would be Tangle, awesome. You know when you have artists that are making their works more accessible, mm -hmm. isn't there a danger then of it becoming the market becoming oversaturated with their works, and people can get sick of seeing them? I think if you can clearly uh, distinguish. Um, the fine art from the like domestic the other yeah domestic accessible edition work uh, there is a degree I, I think of you're safe um, yeah I'm sure I'm sure there are some listeners that um, aren't so keen on on the idea and, and even the um, the artists themselves sort of uh, get a little bit stressed out, but hey, if we look at um, uh, successful artists, they're able to balance their um, their paperworks and print editions with their fine art, and really that that those print editions kind of become their bread and butter because you you're more likely to sell a hundred paperworks in a year than maybe one big expensive painting. Yeah. Now, as you've been talking, I've watched your wife stop mid-steam pressing, and I'm about to go over to her to see. Helena, <laughs> is part of your daily routine, your steaming clothing here? Yeah, yeah, it is part of the routine in the shop, but often I have this amazing woman called Renee who does all the processing, the admin, mostly the steaming, and then we just all put it out in the shop and merchandise it and make it look pretty. Yeah. Now, one thing I've noticed about this business is that it's very whānau oriented. Yeah, it is. We wouldn't be here without our family. And um, everyone that works with us uh, ends up being family as well, <laughs> pretty much. They go away and they come back. Like Maddie out the front, he worked with us when he was a teenager and went to... Um, Wellington and managed Area 51 there for a long time. Now he's back with us, just focusing mainly on his music. Everyone that works here has something else going on as well, and it's just sort of like something you you do because you either want to do it or you just need a bit of cash to Doesn't keep going. Unique, Milena, do you feel like you're supporting the growth of people who are involved here with the other creative exploits? Uh, I guess so. I feel like they support me too. Yeah. I feel like I have a really um, supportive working environment, which is why we're still here. Because you need a lot of energy to be in retail. It's, um, 
it's, it's not easy, but then the easy bit is the good relationships you have with your customers and your staff, which keeps the energy going and people coming in and the money going around. Now, you used to be based in Napier City, and while you're still in Napier, you're out towards Ahuriri by the port. Yeah. And I've noticed this is quite a vibrant area. There are lots of eateries around. You're right next door to a cafe. Does it help in terms of flow of customer? It does, because the whole concept of us moving in with Smiths was to have other options other than just retail and to create that kind of community feeling. And being in Ahuriri, you can actually park your car out the front uh, get out with all your kids. <laughs> they can run around. There's always something to eat. And while you have a have a look around, and but it's becoming more of a sort of like an everyday place to go to, rather than I have to go to Aroha to shop. I can go and have a coffee and hang out and see what's what's new. And you live or have a what five ten minutes away? Yeah, that's hugely Andy. good. <laughs> yeah, we should be walking, but uh, we're still driving. <laughs> Only because we've got to drop the kids off first before we get here, and their schools are far away. So how much of your day is actually spent at the store? I'm trying to get the 9 to 3 so I can be home with the children, but realistically, you can sort of do 9 to 7, 8. <laughs> it depends. I know we're working on that one, but yeah, 9 to 3 would be good. Yeah. And I guess with the, the recession, you've had to get uh, creative around how you survive as a business? Yeah, we've definitely... um, We've been fortunate enough to have spaces and people working with us and environments where we have been able to diversify. And Rakai has been able to grow his um, art production and um, our customers have really loved that and supported that and have been purchasing his artwork and then he's been working with other people and it's sort of like we have become more of an art-based store but aligned ourselves with Zambezi, Nomdi, Karen Walker, Standard Issue, you know, the labels that I love that are doing their thing in their own way. Now, Melanie, can we go through the store? Because what always um, impresses me (laughs) is how... Beautifully, uh, things are presented. Okay, we have a pretty blue dress, and we're going to go and <laughs> Koto. Koto, I say, I didn't even give Koto a big up. Koto's an amazing label. It's something we've been doing for not as long as Zambezi and Nomdi, but it complements everything. It's a beautiful, basic, organic. Fair trade label. It looks amazing alongside yummy brown Zambezi jerseys. I mean, if I was to, where do you get the stuff from? Like, okay, the bird just... cages. Well, we just recently had a salon on the weekend uh, with Tracy Talfio, a woman, Sarah, who works with us, has been a designer, uh, um, stylist for Nita Porter for many years, but she's moved home from London with her children. Um, so she did a photo shoot, which you can see the pictures up on the wall with a local girl just around Ahuriri. 
and um, I decided to dress the shop with stuff out of my shed that I'd been hoarding for a very long time. So we're looking at bird cages here and some painted <laughs> bunks, powder coated bunks, yeah, which my children used to sleep on until they got really big. And they kind of look like those old hospital beds. Yeah, they came from the Raitahi Hospital, yeah, which is where my father grew up. Mm. So you've got a shed full of stuff. We've got a shed full of that amazing stuff. That itself into the store. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing we want to do is have a proper car boot sale in the car park with all our customers so everyone can actually bring stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like miles away from fashion, but it's good fun. I mean, do you enjoy this? Do you enjoy the way that the, I mean, the, way that the store has been put together? is really quite beautiful. Well, thanks. But, you know, not intimidating. No, it's not... Um, I wouldn't say it was completely design-based. It's more of a collaboration with me and Rakai, next door, their aesthetic. The people we have relationships, like Tracy Tafio with all her new works next door. Um, it's like everyone does their thing and it comes together. Yeah, it, it, admittedly, like, I don't give direction, but I'm just here to help put it together. You know what, I can have the same stuff though, Milena, and I can tell you now it probably wouldn't look like this. So there's definitely an artistic eye that's putting it together, right? I don't know. Yeah, but not, with, not without help. Do you think you could describe what the store looks like? There's a lot of plywood. Yeah, the landlords put in the plywood. The landlords did all the um, basic uh, painting and all that kind of things, and then we've just filled it with our stuff. So, yeah, it's ply. Then we've got blackboard paint. We've got old bits and pieces, art leaning, bird cages, really beautiful high fashion pieces along a nice slim wooden pole. Are these all things that you use? Yeah, in my own way. <laughs> like, even though I've got leggings, jandals, shorts, <laughs> sweatshirt on. Rock, I printed this sweatshirt, Sam Beasy made my shorts. <laughs> Koto made my leggings. I have to admit, my jandals are from the Wari Wari. <laughs> but that's all good, that's how we are. Um, the recycling area is a really important part of our business. It's where our customers, inspired by Scotty's, our customers bring in all their stuff that they're not wearing um, for credit, and then they can buy new things. And it also means that there's another customer who can't, you know, spend $500 on a dress. They can come in and get that dress for $100 in the recycling. It's amazing. Do it works you, so well. Do you ever have customers criticising about the process? Yeah, we, yeah, we do. Not so much now. It's more people that haven't been here before. And I entered that discussion with them about, well, you know, in order to make something in New Zealand like Zambezi does, it has to be this price. And they're not making as much money as people who are manufacturing overseas. They don't have the same margins. So it's like, support it. It will not be here. <laughs> yeah. But not really. 